Hello, hello. Welcome to Yoga Wellness Money. This is Amanda Mortensen, and thanks for joining us. Yoga Wellness Money is focused on two things, your health and your money. Now, the last few episodes, we've talked a lot about organization and things that prepare us for dealing with our money. But today I want to talk about something to do with health, and that involves our relationship with our belly, our gut. And I will tell you over the years, I have had the most precarious relationship with my stomach. It really drives me nuts. So sometimes it's stress-induced. I remember in college always having this upper pain, you know, kind of in the area of ulcers. And that is clearly related to stress, as is sometimes when we have too much stress and all that cortisol flooding our bodies, we end up carrying fat at our bellies. So stress is one thing to control in a situation. And of course, we could go on to a whole conversation about yoga and the role of decreasing stress and helping to flatten our bellies. As a matter of fact, there is a study about how gentle yoga, not even the really rigorous kind, helped people, the participants, flatten their bellies because they lowered their stress level and in turn lowered their cortisol and their body's tendency to carry weight around their middle. But I want to go to a different part of my journey, which involved the foods I was eating. So the very first thing is I went to my doctor and she put me on an elimination diet right after she ran a test for celiac, and I did not have celiac. So she put me on an elimination diet with simple carbohydrates like rice first, you know, lean meats, cooked vegetables, and then the second to the last, in the last categories was raw vegetables and milk products. Milk products, yes. So... Sure enough, I got through all of the categories fine. And then as soon as I added the dairy back into my diet, I immediately had bloating and discomfort, which indicated some form of lactose intolerance, which we usually tend to get more lactose intolerant as we get older. So I immediately switched to lactose-free milk and I take it easy on other dairy products, which is probably a good health choice to make anyway, because there's a lot of studies that show increases in cancer and other diseases associated when people start putting high amounts of dairy into their diet. That said, I'm not a big fan of cutting out any full food group. I do eat meat, I do eat dairy, but I eat them in moderation and try to make my diet primarily plant-based But again, I think life is short and I like to have all the food groups in my diet. But there is one thing that I want to talk about today, which I think contributes to this extra weight we carry on our centers, and that is sugar. So there is a documentary. The first one, well, there's two documentaries. The first one is Fed Up, and it's sort of the Hollywood version. It's really good. I think it's narrated by Katie Corrick, and it's a great summary and really um, entertaining approach to teaching about sort of the insidious side of so much added sugar in our diets. Now, remember, as I talk about sugar right now, I am talking about added sugar and white flours that convert easily to sugar. I'm not talking about 
roots. So with that said, I want to tell you a little story about going to my acupuncturist. I went to my acupuncturist complaining that I could not sleep. And he was going to help me go to sleep. I have this amazing acupuncturist. His name is Dr. Liang. He's at Golden Needle in Lake Forest, California. So he does an exam prior to putting you on the table. And his exam includes taking your blood pressure, feeling your pulse, looking at the palms of your hand, looking in your ears, looking at your tongue. And from my left ear, he could tell, he's like, you have a tilted uterus. And I thought, I do have a tilted uterus. How could he tell that? And then he looked at my palm and he told me that I was eating too much chocolate. And I thought, how does he know that? Because that is very, very true. So I went back to work that week and I told my assistant, my only male assistant I've ever had, who was fantastic and was known to bring me offerings from around the building of treats he had found at different workstations and leftover party foods. So I told him, no more chocolate. So he made it a point to bring me things like Starbursts. And I thought, Starbursts aren't chocolate. I will eat Starbursts in substitution of chocolate. Well, as you can imagine, the acupuncturist, the next time he saw me the following week, said, better on the chocolate, too much sugar. What? So I cut out sugar, and eventually he said, good on the sugar, also cut out white flour. Now, that was going a little far for me, so I asked him, I said, can I have sourdough bread? And oddly enough, he said yes. Now, I do want to point out he had a few exceptions to the sugar rule. One of them was I could have dark chocolate, 70% is what he preferred. Number two, real maple syrup. Number three, honey. He loves honey. He recommends if I, for my allergies, that I put a tablespoon or less into a cup of hot water in the morning and drink it of local honey to adapt myself to new environments to help with my allergies. So I'm not as good at doing that because my Claritin or Claritin D seems to be so much better, but that is a natural remedy. So back to the sugar, I decided to take it very, very seriously. And for two years, I completely cut out added sugars. Maybe not... 100% because, you know, you always end up ingesting something that you're not aware of. But for the most part, I cut out sugar. And let me tell you, the first two weeks were very, very difficult. It was so hard. And I didn't even consider myself a big sugar person. As a matter of fact, I was like, I just have an occasional cookie after lunch, you know, when I have a sweet tooth or at three o'clock when I'm feeling that little dip at work. But either way, giving it up even thinking I wasn't eating that much, was really hard. As a matter of fact, they'd have work parties and they'd have treats everywhere and someone's birthday. And I remember looking at everything and just saying, no, I'm going to keep this commitment to myself because I think it's very important that we keep commitments to ourselves. And I did not have the cookie. And after a couple of months, I think I had a Lego waffle which right there tells you that's probably not a good idea. And then I think I used syrup that wasn't 
real maple syrup. Anyway, got sick as a dog. My fiance at the time said, well, of course it's made you sick. You haven't had sugar for months and all of a sudden you eat that. So that kind of helped the process along because I'm telling you, as you start to feel better and as it starts to make you sick when you do eat it, it helps helps you stick with it. And I'll tell you a couple of other benefits I started to have by not eating sugar. I did sleep better. I do want to point out if you aren't ready to completely give up sugar but are having problems sleeping, Dr. Liang said not to eat sugar past 3 p.m. So I was sleeping better. My moods were more even and I had great skin. Because a little known fact of sugar is it breaks down the collagen in your body and i.e. your face where you want collagen, all that stuff that keeps your face plump and looking young and the thing we fight to hang on to and lather on sunscreen to protect our skin from breaking down. So I really, really benefited from cutting added sugar out of my diet. Furthermore, I added one more item because I'm telling you my tummy wasn't quite flat, as flat as it was when I was younger. And I really did not want to be carrying this extra weight around my center. So I thought, well, I'm also not going to eat past 7.30, which the acupuncturist had also recommended. But I thought, well, I got to bed really late so I can eat past 7.30 and still be several hours from my bedtime. But I decided to incorporate not eating past 7.30. And I did that for two months, and then all of a sudden I noticed, oh my goodness, it's back. My tummy, my flat stomach is back. And I called my mom so excited, and I told her the secret was not eating past 7.30. And she kindly pointed out that I also hadn't been eating sugar for two years. So between the two, (laughs) I felt I had found the magic ticket. That said, I don't want to assume that your journey is the same as my journey. Each one of us have our own bodies. And if we will be in tune and care for our bodies and be very careful about what we put into our body, we can discern what's good for us and what's not good for us, what makes us feel better when we eat it, what makes us feel worse when we eat it. Whenever I make my husband like a really like chopped up salad with all these good, you know, nuts and seeds and fruit and vegetables and, you know, a light yummy dressing. I said, I say to him, can you feel that? He's like, feel what? I said, your body thanking you for all this nutritious food. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I can. And I really do do that. Every time I'm eating something really particularly healthy, I always, I always think or say, oh, my body's thanking me. It's very grateful right now. So everybody's a little bit different in their bodies. They have different allergies, different tolerances, different upbringings, a different ancestral code. I'm convinced because on my mom's side, my ancestors are from England and came over and were farmers in Idaho, that I love potatoes, French fries in particular. And then I also have a dad that's from South America. And so I have a special penchant, if that's the right word, for beans and rice. And I, my body loves beans and rice. And so I don't know if that's really a thing, but we are different. And 
one thing I don't like are diets, and I'll tell you why. The, the typical thing with a diet is you do something in the extreme for a period of time to jumpstart your weight loss or jumpstart this or really put your body into a calorie deficit or an entire food category deficit or something to that effect, something that's not necessarily sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, it, that's just the point. It's not sustainable and it's not a true lifestyle change. And so in the course of living, I have never gone on a diet. What I do focus on doing, however, is analyzing my own eating patterns. And if I start to notice that scale going up, I'll say, hmm, what am I doing right now that I could change or tweak, eliminate or add? So I'll tell one more story before I wrap up our episode on our bellies with just a general post-college, at work, sitting at a desk all day, eight, nine, ten hours a day, and I could feel the spread, the spread in my butt, getting bigger. It was very annoying. So annoying, in fact, that I sat down and really analyzed how I was eating, what I was eating on a weekly basis, and I determined that I could make some changes that were simple, but that I would be willing to stick with. And one of it was, as I mentioned before, my love of French fries. And I said, okay, you can still have French fries, but you can only have them once a week. The second thing is I was probably eating too much red meat. I tend to like beef better than chicken. I OD'd on chicken in college. I think in college I went through a period where I didn't eat any red meat and I only ate chicken. And now I I hate chicken. I can't stand it. I'll eat it shredded in a chicken enchilada, but that's about it. However, I said, I have a little bit too much beef in my diet, so I'm going to only do beef or red meat once a week. I can do chicken up to twice a week and then fish any other day of the week, even though like I usually don't have the option to eat fish that frequent frequently. The so those were sort of elimination things that I decided to commit to. The addition thing I added, decided to do was to add vegetables, a lot of vegetables. I said, I'm going to strive to get five, at least five servings of vegetables a day, and ideally five to seven fruits and vegetables, a combination more heavy on the vegetables than the fruit. So I did that, and I started on this, and I stuck to my, you know, three eliminations, my one addition, and I would step on the scale every day, every week, and I didn't really see a change. And then somewhere around week, between weeks four and six, the scale all of a sudden just dropped. Like the weight, it's like my body was like, no, no, I like this extra patty, no. And then one day it's like, oh, we really don't need it for anything because I wasn't hungry and I wasn't going without. I was just eating more of the foods that I should be eating and less of the foods that I probably shouldn't have been eating. And all of a sudden the weight dropped and it stayed off. And I was really grateful because I had stuck with it even though I couldn't see an immediate benefit for weeks on end. But I decided to make good choices and just kind of push forward. 
The last story I want to share involves my husband, and it's about soda. Now, I'm always excited when people tell me they have these really bad habits, like, oh, I eat Cheetos every afternoon after lunch at my three o'clock slump, or I eat or I drink three Diet Cokes a day. I think that's awesome because very easily they have something that they can identify and cut out and it'll probably make a huge difference on their waistline. So I call this situation with my spouse Burrito Gate because this is what happened. We moved from California to Boise, Idaho this past year. We had family we needed to be here for. We planned to stay for five to seven years. Um, We're really enjoying it here. It's really beautiful. The one thing that was not beautiful was my husband's waistline. Because within three or four months of being here, he started getting this belly that I had never seen on him before. And I'm like, what, what's going on with you? Now, I guess I need to back the story up a bit. When we got married, he committed not to drink soda. I don't drink soda. I've never drank soda. In college, I didn't drink soda because I was too cheap. It added like 30% to my bill, my Taco Bell bill, if I bought a soda. So there would be absolutely no soda. I would get water. And then I'd have little sucks of Diet Coke off of my friends. And it would give me a little jolt right there. I could feel it immediately. However, since I didn't drink soda through college, I just developed a taste for water. I love water. I drink water all the time. So I can't really tell a story of giving up soda. But I will say that I I feel strongly that it's bad for you. I mean, forget about the sugar that is in regular sodas. I think the fake sugar that is in the diet sodas is even worse for you because what happens is it tells your brain that it is getting sugar, but it's not getting calories. So it's getting sweetness without the calories. And so then it's your body starts looking for other things that are sweet. So actually, all those diet drinks are making you probably way more and carry more weight around your center than if you had just drank the sugar drink, because the sugar drink would immediately register as calories, and you probably wouldn't drink as much. But I'm just going to tell you the story about my husband. Okay, so... He's getting bigger in his waist. He's starting to look like he's carrying a small baby. And I'm not happy about it because I'm a little superficial like that. So I told him, I said, what is going on? I've been losing weight since we lived here, since we've moved here. And you know why I'm losing weight? Because it's too far to go get food. It takes 18 minutes to drive anywhere to get like mediocre food at some chain restaurant. So I just eat at home. And I had lost three or four pounds just by virtue of no good Thai, no good Mexican, no good sushi. I just ate, you know, the food I made at home. But he is not having this issue. So I said, well, one thing I did start doing is I started buying these cheap frozen burritos, which I'm I'm embarrassed now to even say I had them in the freezer. So... I said, it's those burritos. Sometimes he would have two a day. And I said, it's the frozen burritos. I'm not buying those anymore. Those are causing you to have a baby in your belly. I am getting rid of the frozen burritos. So I stopped buying them. 
and the weight didn't come off. And then eventually it all came out. Mr. Man had started almost as soon as we moved here, sneaking big gulps, big, you know, 42 ounces of Diet Coke and drinking it on a regular basis. And when I found that out, oh, I just about <clears throat> hit the roof. Honestly, I, I, I don't... I don't know if I was as annoyed by the soda as I was annoyed by the cover-up and the fact that he let burritos take the fall for his weight gain. I'm like, you blamed the poor burritos and you were really guzzling all that soda. And now you have a beer belly, Diet Coke belly, whatever you want to call it. So it was pretty funny. And he has since of course, giving it up again. And it's it's taking a lot longer. You can wander into debt. You can wander into weight gain. You cannot wander out of either of those. And so, you know, it's been a journey for him, but his weight is moving in the right direction again. And that tummy is coming back down. So I do want to recommend two things. First, consider eliminating added sugar from your diet for at least 60 days. I'm telling you, you will notice a difference in your sleep, in your moods, in your belly, in your overall feeling of health, oh, and your skin. And I also would love you to educate yourself just a little bit more. And there is a free, oh, because I talked about fed up, but there's also a free documentary on YouTube called The Truth About Sugar, new documentary 2015. And it's 57 minutes long and it is so worth it. And it will really open your eyes to all of the added sugar and how much sugar we really should be getting a day, which is six to nine teaspoons a day, which is 24 to 36 grams of sugar. And so keep in mind a 40 no, I'm sorry, a can of Sprite has 44 grams of sugar. A granola bar can have anywhere from 11 to 18 grams of sugar. So sometimes before we even know it, we've consumed way over the amount that we should even have. And I think as a woman, 24 grams of added sugar is plenty and zero is really the goal. So that said, I just want to encourage you to look more into studying about sugar and its insidious effects on our health. And I want to encourage you to consider giving up sodas and uh, artificial sweeteners as well. I think drinking water and eliminating sugar Those two things alone can do wonders for our health and our uh, body functioning. Our cells love water. Our cells that are cancerous, the ones that develop in our body all the time that we are constantly flushing out, love to feast on sugar. So sugar feeds cancers in our body. So that's just another reason to avoid it at all times because we want our regular elimination system working and decreasing the toxic load on our body, which I think comes through sodas and sweeteners and sugars. So 
Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for bearing with me on a journey down Sugar Lane, our relationship with our bellies. And I encourage you to listen to your body, to honor your body, to do things that are kind to your body and really listen to what it wants and what it needs and things that will help you feel strong and healthy. So with that said, I look forward to hanging out with you next time. This is Amanda Mortensen with Yoga Wellness Money. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Namaste.